Yo, what's up guys? Welcome to Christian's Corner. I'm your host, Christian Millsaps. Today we will be talking about a lot of soccer again, sorry, and we're going to be talking about some hockey even. There's heartwarming content and unfortunately we're going to have to talk about some heavy stuff too. But with that being said, let's jump into it guys. You guys want the bad news out of the way? Alright, I'll give you the bad news. So, in Serie A, for those of you who don't know what that is, it is the Italian Soccer League, their equivalent of the NFL. They take soccer very, very seriously over in Europe. You think that football is crazy here? Go to Europe during football weekend. It is absolutely ridiculous. I say that to start this off, so that way when I talk about what I'm about to talk about, you know how serious this is. So, for those of you who don't know, Italy so far is the first European country to have been attacked by coronavirus. So far, there have been about 260 cases and 12 deaths. Two areas in northern Italy have been red zoned completely and travel in and out of the country from those parts have been completely banned. Schools have been closed, bars, theaters, even mass, all right? They canceled church. Catholicism is massive in Italy. They take it very seriously. So for them to cancel mass, that's that's really big. But what's even bigger, I would say, because football over there is just as much a part of their religion as Christianity is, Catholicism is. So far, four Serie A matches this past weekend were postponed entirely. And in the Europa League, Inter's match against Ludogorets at the San Siro, which is like, gosh, it's like Lombardi Field, right? Sorry, not Lombardi Field. Lambeau Field, okay? Lambeau Field is the equivalent of the San Siro. It is a massive place. It's the holy grail of football stadiums in Italy, right? So this Europa League match between Inter and Ludogorets was held behind closed doors. The public was not allowed in, and for most matches in certain parts of Italy, the public will not be allowed in until at least as of right now, March 1st. Nobody was allowed in this match. The only people, obviously, were people affiliated with the teams, refs, and the media was allowed in, obviously, so that they could record the game and make sure that it was being broadcast in Italy, all across Europe, in America as well. That's insane. For them to to basically tell the public, hey, you're not coming into this match. I don't care. We'll refund your money if you paid for the tickets. You know, just you're not showing up in the San Siro. That's insane. That is big for them to just absolutely take the fans out of that. I mean... That's like Sunday night football, right? 2008. We're going to go back to 08. Peyton Manning and the Colts facing Tom Brady and the New England Patriots in Foxborough. For the NFL and those two teams to basically say, hey guys, I know this is a big game. You want to see Brady and Tom. What? That's not right. <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> <laughs> You want to see Brady and Manning go at it live right in front of your eyes while you're sitting in the comfort of whichever stadium you're at. But instead what you get is Roger Goodell, both the Colts and the Patriots saying, eh, maybe not. So on Sunday night, you're sitting there watching Peyton Manning against Tom Brady and absolutely nobody is in the stands. It's just the team, the refs, and the stadium's completely empty. That would be ridiculous. It would be really, really odd, and there would be a massive uproar. 
That's what's happening in Italy right now. This weekend, another six games are also going to be affected, including Juventus versus Inter, which is a top four battle. That's a big, big match for both teams. And it's going to be only open to a few hundred people that, again, include mostly team officials and the media. It's, it's insane what Italy is having to do to, again, something that's treated as a religion over there because of the coronavirus. It's sad. And obviously, soccer, football, whatever you want to call it, is not the most important thing right now. But it goes to show how much the coronavirus is affecting Italy right now, or at least parts of it, that they're shutting things down to the public that are worshipped, like literally worshipped. It's insane. And I, again, the reason I state this so much, because it shows how bad the situation right now in parts of Italy is. That's this equivalent to people just saying, okay, up north, football is closed. You can't go see the Patriots. You can't go see the Giants. You can't go see the Jets. Maybe people don't care about that, but, you know, just in case. You can't go see those games. You have to watch them on TV. That would be big, and it's just as big over there. And I really, my thoughts and prayers go out to Italy, and I hope that they can get this under control for the health of its nation, for the people that are there right now, whether they're tourists that got trapped there or whatever it may be. Thoughts and prayers to them. I hope they can get it under control so people are safe, most importantly. Also, though, if this continues and they don't get it fixed by the summer, the Euros are happening this year, which is very, very big for those of you who don't know. It takes place every four years, and it takes place in between each World Cup. So it's really, really big. All European teams, well, those that are good enough to qualify, compete. And some of the venues are going to be in Italy. And if that's this problem isn't fixed by then, Euro 2020 might be affected, and Italy might not even be able to hold matches there. So that'll be a developing story that I'll obviously keep track of as more news comes out. But thoughts and prayers to Italy. Now we're moving on to some lighter news in the world of hockey. Now, I do enjoy hockey, but I don't consume a lot of hockey content because one, it's not on TV as much, and two, it's just not one of my preferred sports. But when something as cool as this story comes across my radar, it's hard not to be interested in it. Now I'm going to introduce you to a guy named David Ayers, who is a Zamboni driver for the Carolina Hurricanes who compete in the NHL. Now, 15 years ago, he thought playing hockey competitively, not professionally, but competitively, was done. He didn't think he was going to be able to do that anymore after he underwent a kidney transplant. But the Carolina Hurricanes had something else planned. They called him to suit up and start against the Toronto Maple Leafs on February 22nd because their starting goalie and backup goalie both went down with injuries. Each NHL team is required to have an emergency goalie on hand just in case something as unfortunate as losing both of your keepers happens. And that emergency keeper happened to be David Ayers, the Zamboni driver. He started, well he didn't start, but he made an appearance in an NHL game in the second period for the Hurricanes up against the Maple Leafs. When he came in, it was a 3-1 lead in favor of Carolina. In his first two shots faced, he let both of them in, and, well, it was 3-3. He said in an interview that he was extremely nervous before it was happening because, one, he just couldn't believe that he was playing in an NHL game as a goalie with no training. But, I mean, who wouldn't be nervous? Like, this is a big stage. 
against professional players in a very aggressive and violent sport, and you're expected to come in and help your team win. Who wouldn't be nervous? But he said in the same interview that a teammate told him, and I quote, just relax. This is going to be fun for you. Have a good time with it. We don't care how many goals you let in. Let's just have fun. And before I continue, I just want to point out this, that this is really the reason that I love sports so much. This regular guy, just like any of us, became a goalie in the NHL for two periods. I mean, that's just fantastic. And what makes me even more happy about this story is that his teammate, a professional athlete, said, you know what? Who cares if we win? Let's have fun. That word is very important because I feel a lot of times when athletes get to this level of play, fun isn't always there. It's more, it's my job. I have to make sure I make my coach, the fans, and my employers happy. Otherwise, I could get sent to another team or whatever. I could get benched. But they didn't care about that because there was something bigger to this game than winning or losing. This guy was getting the chance of a lifetime that most people die to have. I mean, he's playing in the NHL maybe for only two periods, but still. He's getting a chance that not many people get. And I just, I just love that. Now, going on with the story, he went on to make eight total saves for the rest of the game, keeping them from scoring any more, and the Carolina Hurricanes, wow, I just said Hurricanes, the Carolina Hurricanes went on to win 6-3. to three. This guy came in in the second period, let in two shots on two shots faced, then he saved the last eight shots that he faced, and they won. I mean, what, what embodies sports better? What, what is a better story to tell somebody who maybe doesn't like sports or maybe does but isn't a big fan to make them go, you know what, I got to check this out. It's a great feel-good story. I mean, you can't not smile at the sound of this story. This average dude, just like you or me, comes on and wins a hockey game. And oh my goodness, the videos of him in the locker room after the game was absolutely crazy. It looked like they had won the Stanley Cup or something. He was getting showered like crazy with, I don't know if it was beer. I know it was water, maybe some Gatorade, but maybe some beer. I don't know. It was just fun. If you have not seen it, just Google David Ayer's locker room or something because it is definitely worth your time. It's a great story. This guy got an amazing chance. And not did he just get to have fun, but he actually won the game for the Carolina team. That's that's beautiful. That's That right there is why I love sports. He also, for his contribution in the win, got 500 bucks. And immediately after the game, the Hurricanes started selling his jersey, number 90, with his last name on the back. And any proceeds that they get for that jersey will go to a kidney foundation in North Carolina. An even better ending to what was already a great story. They used this not to make money off of it, but to actually help a charity, a cause that is important. I honestly don't think that there's a better story right now, at least this week, than this. It's a feel-good story. I think it's a story that, even if you hate sports, it's something you need to hear because, I mean, there are, there are a lot of negative things going on in this world right now. you got coronavirus, um, there's a lot of violence in India right now between Hindus and Muslims, which is very sad there. Uh, it's just something nice to hear. I mean, 
obviously this doesn't fix those things, but it's nice to have something that's fun, that's light, that's, you know, makes you feel good. And congrats to David Ayers coming on, winning in an NHL game. He's 42 years old, never played in the NHL in his life, has had a complete kidney transplant thanks to his mother who actually was the one who gave gave him his new kidney. I'm, it's a fantastic story, and I'm really glad that I was able to see it on the news tonight. And I'm glad that I got to sit here and tell you all about it, especially if you haven't heard about it yet. On a more neutral note, not super happy, not really sad, we're going to talk about the Champions League's fixtures from Tuesday and Wednesday of this week. First off, we're going to be talking about Chelsea and Bayern, which, again, let's have a moment of silence for Chelsea. Once again, got destroyed by a much better club. And as a Chelsea fan, I just am really tired of sitting here, or just really anywhere, and going, (sighs) another loss, another disappointment. We hung in there for the first half, looked decent against Bayern Munich, and then the second half came, and it was all downhill from there, very quickly downhill from there. 3-0 was the end of the match, and it probably could have been a lot worse, but thankfully it wasn't. I mean, first off, I have to praise Bayern. They played a really great match. Lewandowski looked great, as always. Alfonso Davies, like, what? That kid is insane, and I can actually say that because he's a little younger than I am, which, again, sad. He played a great match. His pace, his speed is unmatched. He is so, so fast. He played a really nice match. Serge Gnabry, or as announcers call him, Gnabry, but I'm pretty sure that's not how you say his name. Could be wrong. Quick side note, I looked it up, and I am wrong. It's Gnabry. Uh, Oops. Anyways, getting back into the actual story at hand. He played a really nice match as well. Two goals also assisted um, Lewandowski on his goal. Actually, no, he didn't. Davies did that. Anyways, they played a great match. They really kept Chelsea at bay. But really, it wasn't that hard. I mean, Chelsea didn't look like a Champions League caliber team. And again, they aren't playing to the competition level that they should be. This is not a team that looks like they've won two Champions Leagues, not two Champions Leagues, two Premier League trophies in recent years, or a Champions League in 2012. They're playing very poor. A lot of their players, Willian especially, you just look at them and go, what are you doing? Why'd you pass that? There was another guy wide open. Why'd you choose this pass? Chelsea just look in complete shambles. I think, at least from my point of view as a fan, I think a big change needs to come at the club. I don't think we need to get rid of Frank Lampard. We've we've done that too many times. Conte, Mourinho, Gus Hiddink took over for a little bit. Like, pick a manager and stick with it. I think Frank Lampard is that guy. He cares about this club. He cares about it quite a bit. He wants to see them get success, to be able to win, to compete for Premier League trophies, for Champions League trophies. And I'm sorry, I don't care what you say. If you look at Chelsea on paper, they just do not look like a team who can compete for either. Their young players need more time to develop. Abraham, Reese James, Mason Mount, Callum Hudson-Odoi especially, very, very young, needs time. But we also need to make some new signings. We need to get players who either aren't motivated enough to play for us specifically or just at all. I think Willie needs to go. As much as I like Jorginho, I think he needs to go. We need to revitalize our midfield. 
We need another. We need a left back. Marcus Alonso is just not a good defender. <laughs> he he's good at going forward, but he's not a good defender whatsoever. And we need one who can do both. It just needs to be a big change, a culture change at the club. I think. If you look at Antonio Conte's Premier League trophy with Chelsea, the following season we finished tenth, and I don't mean we finished tenth like and eh, we eventually ended up there. No, we had a fight to get there. We were lower on the table until we actually scrapped hard enough to get 10th place. Then we won another trophy, and the same thing happened. We didn't fall as low as 10th, but it was poor play once again. The culture, the mindset, needs to change at Chelsea because clearly something is wrong. The players, after something bad happens, are just arguing with each other, calling each other out and blaming one another for being the one who made the mistake. That doesn't build chemistry. That doesn't turn into a winning team. Again, we need change if we're going to become the team that we want to be. Another match that happened on Tuesday was Napoli and Barcelona. Surprisingly, Napoli started off the match with a goal and took the lead against Barcelona and played really good football. And Dries Mertens, before I go on, had a really odd but kind of funny celebration. If you haven't seen it, go watch it. You'll at least, if not laugh, you'll just be confused. Anyways, Barca at the end of the day did come back and were able to compete even though they had some card issues. So Arturo Vidal got a straight red so he won't be play, be able to play in the second leg which is big because they need a guy like that to run box to box to provide that work ethic on both ends and drive the midfield. Frankie de Jong, he's, he can do that but he's not necessarily as athletic as Arturo Vidal. Uh, <laughs> Ivan Rakitic definitely is not as athletic as Vidal, so that'll be a big miss for them. Sorry, I gotta correct myself. Vidal didn't get a straight red. He got two yellows. Anyways, Busquets also got a yellow card, which means he will also miss the second leg because he's accumulated too many of them. Those will be two big misses for Barcelona against Napoli, who will also be trying to get an away goal, as Barca did, so that they can progress to the next round. I think... It'll be interesting to watch that second leg because I think it'll be a very key one. I mean, obviously, it'll decide who goes on. But Barcelona, as I said, will be missing two key midfielders. And that could really affect the way they play. Especially because Busquets, Busquets sorry, really links the defense to the attack. His passing ability is phenomenal. He's really able to stretch the game and transition quickly with his passing ability. As I said, Vidal, I mean, he's just a tough guy who works hard, and he's going to provide that for your club, and it's going to be hard to miss a guy like that, especially against the Napoli side who are more aggressive and a lot pacier. Losing Vidal, I think, is even more important than Busquets because of the way that Vidal plays. I think Napoli has a very good chance going into the Bernabeu. Whoa, Camp Nou, sorry. And trying to get that away goal, trying to beat Barcelona, now, obviously, if they get one away goal and Barca get a goal at home, we'll go into extra time. So Napoli, will, I think, will come out swinging and really try to play aggressive and beat Barcelona on their own turf. Barcelona is either going to have to uncharacteristically play defensively or they're going to just uncharacteristically counter teams, counter Napoli, rather, and try and win that game off of the Napoli mistake. I look forward to seeing that match, or at least... Looking, I look forward to seeing the second leg to see who goes through. I like both teams. I like a lot of players on both teams. 
Honestly, I think the loss of Busquets and Vidal gives Napoli a very good chance of beating Barcelona. In our Wednesday matches, Lyon played Juventus, and that was a very shocking game if you did not see it. Lyon actually went on to win that game thanks to a goal. Lyon went on to win that match thanks to a 31st-minute goal. And, I mean, they played really good football, soccer, sorry. And Juventus just, I don't know, they had 64% possession. They doubled Lyon's passes. They passed very well as well, accurately. Had 14 shots. (laughs) But none of them hit the target. Not a single one. That's... I mean, that's obviously pretty bad. I mean, Lyon didn't do much better. 12 shots, only two on target, but one of them went in. I I mean, there's not much else to talk about from the game because Juventus had plenty of chances. They just couldn't convert. A lot of missed chances. Dybala had some great chances that he absolutely just squandered. Higuain, from a Dybala pass, took a great touch, very close into the goal, takes the shot, it hits off the post, They had their chances. They had their chances to win that match. But they just didn't convert. And Lyon was able to keep them from scoring the all-important away goal. Going into the second leg, Juventus will be at home. And they won't have a single away goal. Which gives Lyon a chance to pile on away goals if they can. If Juventus gets two and Lyon gets one, they may have won the second leg. But because of that away goal that Lyon scored... They'll go through. Juventus is in a very, very delicate situation. They're going to have to be great defensively, but they're also going to have to do a much better job of not being so sloppy offensively and convert their chances. Otherwise, Lyon's in a pretty good spot. They have a chance to get the away goal, eliminate a tie or extra time completely, which puts, again, a lot of pressure on Juventus's defense and their attack to actually show up and convert the chances that they had plenty of in the first leg. In the second Wednesday match, Manchester City played Real Madrid, and, well, it was looking really good for Madrid. They were playing good football. Possession was very even. Passing was very even. There wasn't anything to split hairs on right there. It was dead even. It's the shots that made the difference, and the discipline of the Real Madrid defense. 60th minute, Isco scores. It's 1-0. And Manchester City wasn't really able to get back into the game until very, very late. Now, I don't mean they weren't playing well. I just mean it took them 18 minutes to score an equalizer, thanks to Gabriel Jesus. 18 minutes, 78th minute, they finally get the tying goal and the all-important away goal. But Kevin De Bruyne didn't end up getting a penalty because of a very, very poor tackle from Danny Carvajal. It, it, was, it was pretty bad. He had no reason to slide in, but he did. Gave away the penalty, and De Bruyne is never going to miss that penalty. Gives them a second away goal and puts a lot of pressure on Real Madrid, especially since they're going to lose their captain, Sergio Ramos, for the second leg because he just can't seem to keep himself under control. He got the red card late in the match which not only pretty much diminished their chances of getting a second goal in the first leg, but it also takes away their captain and, I wouldn't say their best center back, but their leader. I think Manchester City is in a great position to just, well, all they really have to do is defend, which they're not going to do, obviously, but I don't see Real Madrid, especially in the state that they have been in this season, coming back from it. 
they don't really have that go-getter like Ronaldo to score a goal or a couple to put them through to the next round. And I just don't think that they'll be able to defend Manchester City while trying to throw everything forward and score goals against them. I just, I don't think there's a very high percentage that Real Madrid even has a chance. Now, I might have, I definitely would have had a different answer even last season. But this season, I just, I don't see it happening. Manchester City did absolutely all that they needed to do. Get two goals, make Ramos, make a mistake, get the card. You're in a prime position to go through. I look forward to seeing how Manchester City, if they go through, handles the rest of the Champions League season because this could be their last chance to win a Champions League title for the next two years if this ban stands. Which again, I will be keeping up with that and letting y'all know how it changes. I hope that it stays. Manchester City obviously hope that it doesn't, but if it does, this is their last chance to win a trophy for two years. I wonder if that'll put some fire under them and really make them that much more hungry to getting a trophy. With that being said, guys, it's been a really good episode. We've had some really high notes. We had to talk about some sad stuff as well. Praying for Italy. Happy about the Champions League. Still glad I got to be here with you guys. Peace out. Have a good rest of your week. See y'all later.